0: This is Jesse Hensley. And this is Josh Turner. Welcome to Turn Down For What. Turn down for what?
1: Welcome to Turn Down For What. Um, it's a, a very interesting couple last conversation pieces that we had with Whisper Arrow. Oh, yeah. um, just really insightful information down that space. Really exciting to see kind of the technology advancements and the improvements of, you know, what's happening in that space. A really unique uh, dialogue. I was very, some intriguing thoughts kind of coming out of that, but um, very grateful to have Ian with us. Um, it was really kind of a unique conversation, but um, kind of having some unique things to discuss today. Are they um, unique? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. So. We have uh, some news articles to discuss of what's relevant. Um, some of this uh, happened a week, a little over a week ago. Um, some of this happened yesterday, um, but also um, have an interesting guest this afternoon who may or not may or may not be from the United States. Oh, and he has
0: all the good words as he talks very nicely there. Yep. So,
1: what's the first article about for you? The day?
0: So, right now, what we're going to talk about is Proterra. So, Proterra is a uh, a maker of EV buses. And unfortunately, they have filed for, I think it's Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection yesterday, uh, uh, yesterday as a filming uh, today on Thursday. So basically, Patera is um, a very large EV bus company. They've been around since 2000, I think it's six, no, 2004. Um, they make a lot of big EV buses. Uh, over a thousand buses have been built by them. So why now have they... Um, had to file Chapter 11 bankruptcy when you have all of this EV uh, push right now going into the um, uh, different administrations. When I mean, they were recently spotlighted by the White House. Yes, they were. So yeah. uh, let's, let's go into that a little bit again. Uh, one thing we like doing here is giving both sides. And, you know, this is one of the negatives of what happens sometimes with some of these companies that have a niche product, Uh, Because they've been very successful. They divided their company, from what I remember, up into two, I'm sorry, three divisions. You had the battery systems, you had the infrastructure for trucks and charging, then you had the software part of it. So the battery actually division of their company a couple years ago was spun off and sold off, and it has an evaluation then of $1.6 billion. So the battery part of their company has been very successful. So what I think is happening here is you have companies – uh, uh, that have to deal with the bureaucracy of every single municipality stating what needs to be done in order to get the uh, grants. And then you have the grant process that you have to wait multiple months or sometimes years. And a lot of the grants are just
1: now coming out yeah. for those type of initiatives.
0: So you have all of this cash burning through, you have all of these regulations that each state or each city has to have their particular design for. And all of that minutiae builds up into a system to where when you try to do that customization, I think what's happened is you, you lose a lot of that opportunity to have that product come out and then get that uh, that return on that investment So I think that's what happened here I Again, I've, I've not talked to anybody That's related to it But from the articles that I've read It's it's more th- than likely Just a case of trying to deal with that minutiae Right now in a new age Of getting these grants And trying to deal with these municipalities yeah, So I'm I mean, hoping think, that they can restructure and Then come back from this
1: Yeah, I think school buses I mean, obviously are something That's going to be a little bit more regulated um, I mean, obviously cars and stuff Have their own regulations But to deal with all of the Independent needs. Um, yeah, and then- these are
0: for the large, like commercial buses within like downtown municipalities. Now, school buses go in a completely different direction because there's been a huge push uh, from different administrations here lately to get school buses into communities. And that is a very good thing to do. The problem with that is, you know, you can buy diesel school bus for around what 80,000 75,000 or so for Thomas or one of these really nice brand new school buses now when you start looking at an EV bus so like quarter million quarter million dollars so let's say you give a a, a struggling school system half which I don't believe it's half I think it's a 20 percent grant we'll give them a half half of it you're still 125,000 dollars where the other bus was 80,000. And, Yeah, you have to pay for the fuel. Yeah. But that's expenses you could pick up each year.
1: And I think that's something and that's a conversation across all the busing, you know. I think that's could be a potential indicator of what's happening there is the EV space down that vein requires heavy incentives heavy, to make it competitive because yeah. a lot of these city budgets don't have, don't have an extra it. 50 grand per bus or whatever the cost infrastructure well, school is, systems, even if it's not that. Just say
0: it's a school system itself. You're going to have to put all the infrastructure in. You're going to have to put all the buses in one location. Some of these places have it set up different hubs. So that's a hub that has to charge X amount of buses. You have the infrastructure that goes into it. You have, if there's a, bra- a blackout or, or, or some type of power failure, all these buses that won't get charged for the kids the next day. Yeah. There's a lot of headache, I think, that needs to, to go into building these. And I don't think that is effectively being... Incentivized for people to do it because if I'm looking at this bus at sixty thousand and this bus after everything is said and done, I'm gonna have to pay hundred and fifty even if I might make fifty thousand on it in fuel savings over a ten-year period. I'm still paying more for it. Yeah. So why would I want to go that direction? So I think they have some work to do to get the the school buses to the point to where they can and if it's financially a, it's also be the where they need to be.
1: Like you're saying, I mean. It, it's the chicken and the egg. I mean, you have to have the infrastructure, but you also have to have the demand. And um, I think that you know you can't just throw 50 electric school buses on a municipality because I mean that's a ton of charging oh, that has to occur. Do you imagine how much day. that is? Yeah. I mean, I
0: don't know what the the
1: battery, battery pack, size pack is. on that. I would say every, over 200. Yeah, I'd say you're two to 300 kilowatts so, of storage. Um, now, and, would you need that in a day
0: for a bus that makes? one round I don't know how many miles a bus goes maybe 50 miles 75 miles a day it depends so, on
1: its efficiency yeah I'm so out, those aren't necessarily that's something the we'll probably scenario. get into
0: let's let's do some research on that and try to get into yeah. what the numbers really are for that because even if you stack your grants I don't think it's going to be financially feasible for these smaller communities who really need that extra savings if you're not saving anything then you know that really doesn't help yeah. so hmm. um, but anyway so that's uh, uh, one of the news announcements was uh uh, and hopefully we can uh they can get everything wrapped back up and get back into the market and uh, restructure what they need to restructure and start producing what they're doing so uh so that was one of the uh, articles the other one was uh over the weekend uh we had storms in our region uh there was an ef2 tornado that hit in knoxville tennessee and when that happened obviously it took out power to a lot of the people in knoxville so uh there was a gentleman who has a YouTube channel that uh, uh, was able to put on to YouTube and show how he was able to get his house back up and running, uh, James, and we'll do a link below where you can see his art or his uh, channel.
1: We're working on getting him on the podcast. Yeah,
0: that'd be good to have him kind of come out and talk about how he was able to get that and the systems that he needed, and then to uh, basically get his house back up and running. And, uh, during that storm. So I think that that's something that all automakers eventually is going to have. I think everybody wants to have that to the point to where who wouldn't want to do that because we're featuring a vehicle today in just a minute here that, uh, has going to have that ability as well. Yeah. So uh, you're, you're going to be able to do that with this vehicle, obviously Ford, um, when they came out with their system, it was very big into that. Um, now I did, Going back to Ford, let's change gears one more time for that and get into another thing that was announced because I completely forgot about this, where Ford announced that they are also going to be looking at options for the hybrid and then adding some of the characteristics of the Lightning. I'm assuming the Lightning into that that would be your onboard power that would be i don't know if they're going to do a plug-in hybrid that can get say 100 miles out of the plug-in with your hybrid system that would be fantastic
1: yeah i mean if they Um, can make a plug-in hybrid that goes 100 miles i think that's a gigantic use case it's just the best plug-in hybrids you're seeing is 30 40 miles right now. yeah
0: and even at 30 or 40 miles that's a pretty good amount of mileage uh the hard part i I would say is putting the packages together because you still have drive lines you still have all these other issues but um if you could do like a front-end that's electric for that drive system and a back end that's traditional or back end that's electric and front end that's traditional, then you can get away from needing that drive line in the middle. And uh, I think there was a supercar one time that, oh, the Ferrari FF. Um, they did a rear engine, or a it's a front engine, rear wheel drive, but the front system, I believe, was electric. So, you know, that technology is there. And if you, if you did it where you get 50 or 60 miles for a charge, um, most of us, when you're driving around town that's what you need but then when you're wanting to go to say Knoxville or or Nashville uh we have a uh one of our uh people we work with at uh Power Up America Matt and uh also Josh with the real estate development he has the hybrid F150 and when you take that truck it gets 600 miles of range
1: yeah I mean it's uh, a big it's a 24 gallon fuel tank yeah but mix that with the hybrid engine and, I mean, he's able to go 600 miles on it. Now, a... it
0: doesn't give you the mileage, I thought. You know, I, I assumed it would go 30 miles a gallon just because a hybrid, you hear hybrid, you think it has a higher. And I, I know that a traditional F-150 probably is around the 20 mark. It's been a while since I looked. Uh, and he only gets about, on our trips, 22, 24 miles a gallon. So, you know, there is something there to be said that maybe this is a pusher system. Maybe it's a, between the full electric with some of the fuel. Maybe that's a better choice. Um, so definitely think that that's uh, a direction that, uh, Ford is going after that announcement that they're going to try to make something like that. So let's just make a scenario that we have a 500 mile range, uh, uh, gas F-150 with that has the capability of 50 miles plug-in hybrid to where I can use that at the house. And you have the ability to go online and plug it into your house, run your truck in a, an event of a, a storm or something where you can run the engine and keep it going as well, I think that would be something a lot of people would consider. And you're still reducing a lot of CO2 at that point because of that 50-mile range because yeah. most of your driving will be done in that 50 miles. Yeah. So I think there, I think there's a compromise there or a vehicle or a market that they're coming out with or wanting to come out with. Uh, God, it's going to be an expensive truck, though. Yeah. I would say that you're looking at a $95,000 truck right off the bat. So – uh, but from a use standpoint, you know, pulling a camper, all pu- small campers, you can still use gas stations that way. So um, it's kind of that niche thing right now. And I don't think anybody else has a vehicle like that. Yeah, so. the, the,
1: the plug-in hybrid, you know, if you're if you're going to take that vein farther, they need to increase the range. Um, but that could be a good use case for those people who are hesitant to get into the, the space. Because um, I, I do like the idea of a plug-in hybrid uh, for long-distance commutes. Um, you know, because around town you have that use case, but then on the trips you can uh, not have to rely so heavily on the charging infrastructure and just go traditional hybrid. I would just require um, some improvements down that game to maybe get you a little bit more range um, and then maybe work on cost-effectiveness of that. So,
0: All right, now we are going from news to news. Still, but it's also kind of a highlight of a vehicle that I'm afraid Josh is probably gonna get. So I'm um very excited about this. Yeah. One. So obviously I'm my next vehicle probably either I'm gonna keep my truck or I'm gonna go with the Cybertruck. Um I have a low number, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but Josh now has his vehicle that he wants to get, and it is the <laughs> Cadillac
1: IQ. Escalade IQ. Yeah, it's the Escalade. 2025, so it won't come out until late next year. Um, but they finally did their full reveal yesterday, um, as of the recording of this podcast, um, where they dropped all the details. Kind of, uh, there were several curiosities I had. I mean, the Escalade is a staple mm-hmm. in the SUV industry. I think one out of every three. Um, luxury SUVs that come onto the, the market is the Cadillac Escalade. Um, and if you look at it across the board, I mean, Escalade has a, a long-standing presence. You have the Navigator, you, know, you have the full-size SUVs, Navigator, Expedition. Um, you know, the Escalade stands prominent as, in my opinion, one of the, like, the most luxury brands of... They did a good job taking it from the
0: large cars to that vehicle. I can remember when it came out and it just... It was, it was new. It was different. So when they brought out the Escalade, everybody wanted one. Um, you saw them in every music video. You saw them on Pit My Ride. I yeah, mean, but I mean, if you're day, looking
1: so. at what picks up celebrities from an airport, yep. it's, gonna it's, it's a, going to be a Escalade Cadillac Escalade. Yep. Um, and so you're seeing, I mean, you see that there's a standard that's been set by Cadillac. And so their transition and their announcement of an all-electric Escalade really piqued my interest because, I mean, obviously they have – a high standard to live up to so how would they deliver on that performance and so there was a lot of speculation around what it's going to be like what the range is going to be like i heard several people saying hey you know the hummer which was a gm product you know that 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 came out with a low 300 so you'll see mid 300s range probably um the shape what are they going to do with it um so they had their big grand unveiling yesterday and um we saw Some, I mean, in my opinion, what was incredibly impressive, the teaser video kind of gave you some indications of what it was going to be like, but they took pretty much in simplified words and on YouTube here, we'll have a a nice image for you to view, um, but you can, you know, Google it's all over the place now, but they basically took what they had started with the lyric Uh, And they announced with the Lyric and uh, that new front end look with all the luxury, you know, the, the LED lights, they kind of kept that tone into the
0: next one. Yeah.
1: Lyric tone. Yeah. Lyric Uh, tone. Yeah. But they, they, they kept the the new LED front that they put on the Lyric and kind of upscaled it. They're saying it's a unique lighting arrangement for that. um, When you walk up to it, it has a different lighting signature for the Escalade than it does for the Lyric, but they kept that very similar look but then went through and added new technology compared to what they've done for all of the other vehicles. I mean, the, the current Escalades didn't have anywhere near the level of technology and consideration. Or the cost. <laughs> or the cost, yeah, for sure. Uh, the cost was definitely higher than I expected. I mean, you can buy a base uh, Escalade, you know, brand new. Order one and it's going to cost you probably $90,000. I think maybe $88,90,000 is a new Escalade. And so I envisioned okay, they're going to make a base model IQ. And it's going to take maybe 95 to 100, will be your starting price. (laughs) This starts at $130,000. Yep. Um, And the ones that they're marketing and showing with all the features, $175,000. Get off that wallet. Yeah. (laughs) So it's not going to be uh, the average Joe car. Uh, This is going to be more of a luxury niche, um, obviously. And maybe they'll come out with a version that has less tech because this thing is really loaded out with all sorts of tech. that for maybe a more affordable figure, because really, no, the, the I mean,
0: of, remember, this is going to be their luxury. This yeah, is their yeah. flagship. So, I think that price, you're not going to be able to get a cheaper one. You'll but be able to get a Suburban. I mean, yeah, You'll the, probably get a Suburban yeah. that's like at for ninety or ninety five. But you're not going to get a cheaper version. If of If you that.
1: look at the Cadillac model that sells the most, though, it's going to be the ninety thousand. <laughs> yeah, and see, Ford has also
0: made announcements that they're looking into like the vehicle you used to have, which was the Expedition. Expedition. yeah. Um, again, I've not seen anything about the Lincoln either. I, I kind of figured that uh, that would be a good brand to convert over to they the Navigator the Navigator so will, other market. Yeah, the Navigator but, will come across um,
1: sooner than later.
0: But now that Cadillac, I guess this is uh, Ford had the first shot over the bow by having a production model here for their most. Or, well, the most purchased vehicle in the United States, which is an F series, an F series truck uh, from Ford. So now you have the next shot, which would be the large SUV, and not the only just a large yeah. one, but a flagship SUV that is probably going to be that brand's next five years or eight years to say this is the the greatest. So,
1: and honestly, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of go over some of the specs with it, uh, but I mean every aspect of it i mean if you look at the pictures of it i mean it's very it looks good very good i
0: gotta i gotta give him credit you know again i'm not a huge chevy fan i've I've, i like chevys i've owned chevys um uh, but that looks pretty good for for what it is it looks really good so i'm impressed with it
1: so the range turned out to be that they're announcing that the range is going to be 450 miles which is huge Now, obviously, once they officially drop it, you know, hopefully that that
0: EPA has not I don't believe EPA has run the actual models on it yet. So that could go down. It could go up. Ford went up from 300 to 320 when they had it go through EPA. So maybe the standards will make that number go up even higher than what it currently
1: is. A little preview. Tesla went down. Oh, really? On the Cybertruck? <laughs> well, we don't know yet. We don't know what they're
0: releasing <laughs> yeah. with it yet. Um,
1: but yeah, so I mean, uh, the 450 mile—you know—the 450 mile range is a leader amongst you know. I mean, the Chevy Silverado is going to have a longer range. I think it's right around 450, 400. It's
0: 400, I think,
1: for that one. But um, to be a full-size SUV. And the, I mean, it's the very first full-size SUV. You have the Rivian R1S. That's a mid-size, like the equivalent to like a Ford Explorer um, or you know a mid-size SUV. Um, if you look at this, this is longer than the regular Escalade. Yep. It's actually longer. And
0: that that was something he and I were talking about yesterday when it was first announced. Uh, Again, this is Thursday. It was announced on Wednesday, uh, the 7th or the, no, the 9th. So it was announced then. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, hmm, that looks smaller than what I thought. It's probably not as long as a regular as a Cadillac. No, I was wrong. I was wrong. He proved me wrong. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it's, it's 232 inches long, um, which I mean, like a, a regular expedition is like 214, um, a navigator, a regular Cadillac's like 220. So this is the size pretty much of a Cadillac or like an XL, like an extra long version where they put the extra foot in the trunk. Um, yeah. It's the size of those extra long SUVs. They don't even offer a smaller size. Yeah, the, the
0: Max or the
1: XF. Yeah, so. I mean, like the Expedition Max, I think it's a, every different brand. Like Tahoe yeah, has a long everybody version. Everybody has their own. But, you know, for being that and Suburban to be the Tahoe. first full-size SUV that gets 450 miles of range, it's There is impressive. not
0: another SUV I've seen that compares. So I... We went down to Georgia here not too long ago, and I got pictures. There was a nice couple that was nearest that had two Rivians. So one was the truck version with a airstream connected to it. The other one that they drove down to follow was the SUV version. And we have a Telluride. Love the love the Telluride. Think it's a great vehicle. They're coming out with their SUV, you know, which is the EV9, I believe. No E V. But it's a
1: mid size. Yeah, it's a mid size S U V there is no the range. There is you know? no full size SUV. I and think that, it's
0: three hundred mile range on yeah. that one. And it's still ninety eighty eighty or 90,000. So this is
1: gonna be a four fifty mile range that allows three fifty KW charging.
0: I mean, for us, just imagine taking that from here to Nashville. Yeah, you know, you're gonna get all go the way there one on trip, one charge. Yeah, tr- uh, charge it while you're there at They'll 350 kW. At 350 kv uh, kW. So
1: they're saying 100 miles in 10 minutes, but if you look at their charging capabilities, they're saying basically you can utilize the 350 charging. Okay, um, so uh,
0: if you have a charging company that would allow you to
1: have yeah, 350, yeah. which is another you know, conversation, another too. conversation to <laughs> have. But, you know, some of the other features, I mean, obviously, it's kind of Super Cruise, which is, in Something, my opinion, yeah. the a leader outside of Tesla. Leader Tesla's of the probably the premium, but, and then you have theirs. Yeah, I mean, Blue Cruise with the, the F-150 and the and the Ford series is nice. They're working on it, but Super Cruise has lane change um, and some other features. I think they're more highway. So, I mean, they, they're really doing well with that autonomous driving have you drove platform. one
0: of those, or do you know, know of anybody that has that system?
1: Super Cruise, no. Yeah, but I've so. heard, I've, I've seen some reviews saying basically the Super Cruise performed better. Um, it was more like reliable. The lane change was nicer because, you know, when I'm driving down the interstate, I'm usually just camping out in the fast lane uh, passing vehicles. But it would be nice to have the ability to weave without, with hands off. But anyways, um, it'll have the vehicle to home bi-directional charging. Um, there's a really unique feature where they're doing a 55-inch screen from pillar to pillar across uh, yep. the front. Yep. So there's like a 30-something-odd-inch screen for the driver for all of their tech and everything. And then a 20-inch screen for the passenger and another screen down below for all the controls. Um, Just a really, really high-tech vehicle. Some of the other unique things, uh, they call it um, in the Escalade IQ, I think for luxury purposes, they called it the four-wheel drive but it's. Oh, they're doing the crab drive. It's, like the, the, it's the Hummer crab walk. So it, when you're regular turning, it's going to help you by yeah. using the back wheels so you can have a. They say it's like an eight foot less turning radius than the yeah. regular yeah.
0: IQ because you have a really long vehicle. Right? Well, and they've, they've actually been doing that for a while. So I can remember when General Motors, or I'm sorry, GMC had it on the Denali where the rear tires would either turn out to where you could get a tighter radius. Or, you know, the crab walk is new where it turns in the other way. But both uh, both it
1: will do both. If it I mean, does both. They you know. show that you can crab walk into a parking space basically if it okay. was on a corner or something. Um That'll be useful. This model will be the first to have the largest rims that they've ever provided at twenty four inch rims. So I mean it's gonna come standard with twenty four inch rims, do they which
0: spin then it's not a real Escalade. <laughs> Got to have spinners.
1: Magnetic ride control, adaptive air ride suspension, basically to give you yeah. really good road um, experience. Um, but, yeah, the four-wheel will make the turning diameter 39 feet, uh, which is six and a half feet um, greater manu- man- maneuverability. Um, arrival Great. mode, um, that allows you to know, basically move diagonally, making it easier. Low ride mode. But then, I mean it's a 200 kilowatt battery pack that's so a I big mean pack. that's a yeah. big it's a big pack but uh you know obviously something that you know that seems like it's their initiative to have a long large battery but um 750 horsepower 785 pound, pound, pound feet of torque um, and the 0 to 60 on a Cadillac Escalade to be less than 5 seconds yeah 8000 pound feet uh, pounds of towing i mean it's just going to be a really um, and with that kind of side or that kind of
0: battery you're going to get a pretty good amount of distance towing you know that is one of the negatives I guess of the trucks we have is you don't have a lot of towing because of the not necessarily the weight as much as it is the um, aerodynamics yeah. whatever you're hauling so when once you push that boundary up higher and you have that 450 mile range now can you get 200 miles while pulling an airstream or or, or a um, RV or something like that, or your boat. If you're going 100 miles, going to the river, now you can do whatever. Come back. It does create a more versatile um, um, use of that vehicle. And again, you're paying for it, obviously, between yeah. one six or one thirty and one eighty. Uh, but you can't race and pull a boat with a house but you can't live in your SUV. So yeah. I guess there are some <laughs> that, things you can make an a argument they It costs as
1: much it, as a house. but anyway, Yeah, yeah. That,
0: that's about it. So forget the house, I just live my SUV. So but
1: yeah, I'd encourage you, I mean, if you're curious to go look at the new website. I mean, they have all the the yep. details and the pictures, but a really unique vehicle. They've improved aerodynamics to basically make it to where the range is improved. But really curious to see kind of how that progresses when the order And window.
0: obviously you're going to be Getting one as soon as it comes available. Which one are you getting, the lower one or the higher one? We will see. We'll see. So we'll see, um, so we'll see what happens with that, obviously. Uh, you're very excited about the, uh, about that development. And, yeah. No, uh, I mean,
1: it's a, uh, it's, I, I think it's going to be a nice vehicle. The affordability is a question mark for it going to be for a question mark for a lot of people, but for the luxury market, I guess they don't care. Well, it don't matter. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so,
0: and again, like you said, there is no competitor today. This yeah. is just like the F one fifty coming out. There is nobody else in that market and coming out in 2025, obviously they're using a lot of technology. I'm thinking from the Hummer development and, um, because how can you get it done that quick unless, you know, you, with yeah, I think they're going
1: to so. open up orders, uh, in spring, summer, and then they'll start releasing late fall next year.
0: Yeah. So, so it's definitely timing is going to be very good for us on that one. So um, I'll, I can't wait to see what it yeah. looks like when you get yours. What color? I have no idea. Okay. Well, TBD. Yeah.
1: But yeah, So we're going to take a break now. Um, and then we'll so have a special guest after the break. All right. All right and we're back. We have, A very special guest today from melbourne australia uh his name is alex are you there alex yes and you said melbourne correctly congratulations that's amazing there we go you don't Mm -hmm. get that from
2: a lot of uh americans
1: foreigners (laughs) come on now
0: (laughs) it's like saying jag jaguar you got to say it correctly jaguar i feel
2: like it's specifically american as well melbourne melbourne (laughs) you get that a lot
1: americans mess up a lot of things when it comes to the global. Yeah, we're, big, <laughs> we're big fans of Mel Gibson, so that helps us out a little bit. So. <laughs> but yeah, so Melbourne, so we're, we have our first international guest on the podcast and <laughs> uh, you drive a BYD, is that correct? That's right. So tell us just a little bit about what got you from whatever you were driving before to the BYD and how that experience has been in Australia. So I've had the BYD probably about eight months
2: now. Um, before that, I had driven a Volkswagen Golf uh, twenty ten. Um, I'd probably driven that for about eight nine years. Um, so I guess my thing had always been, um, you know, drive cars till they're dead. That was the that was the plan, um, especially for that car. Uh, but it lives on. Uh, my sister in law owns it now, so that's good. Um, but yeah, I went to the EV space because um, I was actually doing a lot of kilometers a lot of miles um, in my car is about 100 probably 100 miles per day um, to and from work so I, I don't think it's specifically for you know saving in fuel because that'll take a very long time to kind of catch back up especially seeing as this BYD cost about 50,000 Australian dollars my car was probably only worth 10 or 12 you could probably get a pretty decent car for 10 or 12 um, thousand Australian dollars so um, it's a big jump, but, um, you know, for a car with the the longevity of um, of what I'm hoping this car will have and the fact that it's an EV, um, yeah, it really, it ticked all the boxes for what I was looking for at the time. Yeah, awesome.
1: And what, yeah. I mean, what um, what lifespan did you have on the last vehicle that you had? Yeah, I, I mean, had I had it, it on, so... Yeah, I had it for
2: nine years. It, it did about 230,000 Ks. So what's that? 170,000 miles or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like it, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was ticking over. I was doing probably 50,000 Ks per day. So yeah, 30,000 miles per day, something like that. Uh, per per year, sorry. Um, and yeah, that was just, it was sending it <laughs> to the moon real quick.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. 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 And I mean, in the transition to the EV experience, what has been your overall thoughts on you know the transition from gas to EV as far as drive experience I think like you can take I mean all, all EV
2: models are the same in that you're driving them using the electric motor as opposed to the combustion which I think is really interesting because um like the the main the main part of that I think is the driving experience so you don't have gear changes you you know you have this like dead silent motor um, it just makes for a really comfortable ride. I know with my um, with my golf they actually introduced a DSG gearbox for that car which effectively preempts your gear changes as you're going in order to make it smoother. So they invested a ton into actually doing that. Um, but every electric car does it just by default. So you know how much Volkswagen put into into just this you know how quiet the engine was, how smooth it is. Every the worst electric car will do it better than any um, combustion car. So with you know, I, I find the driving course. experience amazing. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I um, I've said this before, but I mean, I just drove a regular F one fifty truck around for you know years before I got my Lightning, and that transition was insane. I mean, the the smoothness of the ride because some of the things they did with the suspension, but also just the silence mm. and. I don't know what the stats are on the byd but the the lightning stats for torque and horsepower you know took it to where it was at that time the fastest f-150 they've ever made so Mm, you know mm. it was going zero to 60 Miles per hour in yeah. 3.9 seconds. Uh, Inside 100 you know, kilometers. Yeah, 3.9. Yeah. Where you know every other vehicle on the road, you know every other truck. Like my last truck would do like 7.5. Yeah, I don't <laughs> have
0: not looked to see how it compares to the F 150
1: Raptor R. The Raptor R I think is technically like a 3.7. So I okay, think so I think when they dropped the Raptor quicker, R, yeah. it was slightly quicker. Um, but you mm-hmm. know that's 120 thousand US dollars. Uh, <laughs> for for that vehicle and so that's just you know that's a a league of its own
0: well let's get into one thing too uh we did mention the the byd um a few weeks ago and that again for everybody's listening that is a um car company out of asia that is also backed by berkshire hathaway i believe it was for divestment um for the build quality, that that's a car I have not seen here. I've not seen at any of the events we've went to. I've not seen I don't anything think in the about it. So, can you kind of go over a little bit of what that car is and give people an idea of um, uh, what it looks like, the the um, build quality and, and, and things of that nature. And for Just, the
1: and for those on YouTube, we'll place a photo right here.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, um the the car is fifty thousand Australian dollars. So, I guess to start with, like that's. That's where you put your context, right? It was the cheapest cheap. yeah. cheapest electric vehicle in Australia at the time, I believe, with the MG ZS EV, around about the same price. And the BYD is in a bit of a league of, of its own in terms of how much range it has and the features that it has as well. And in my opinion, the build quality as well. So as soon as I jumped into the car to test drive it, um, I was I was actually blown away because you you initially think a Chinese-made car They've probably cut some corners in certain aspects. I mean, you have all these um, preconceived ideas, especially when you see the MG. Um, the MG you can see is cut some real corners, the ZS EV, in my opinion. Um, when you get into it, you know, it, it just feels, you know, that you can feel a bit of cheap quality within, um, within the space that you're driving. But the BYD actually feels, you know, everything's soft touch in the car. It's got, it only has one spec in Australia, which is like the highest spec it's got the electric, you know, tailgate, it's got um it's got vehicle to load charging. It's a it's a compact SUV um and it was the only model that BYD actually has released, the first model that BYD released in Australia. So um so yeah, I'm I'm blown away by it to be honest. I thought it would be cheap. I thought it would feel cheap,
0: but it um coming from a Volkswagen,
2: it it feels just as good to be honest.
0: Hmm. Now, how many uh, miles or how many kilometers do you get uh, in range with that particular? I think vehicle? it's quoted for four hundred and twenty
2: kilometers. So what's that three thirty maybe? But realistically, you'll get three hundred and fifty k's. So maybe two hundred and seventy miles, something like that. Yeah, about uh, well, two
0: hundred seventy miles, uh, two
2: sixty yeah. roughly. Yeah. And with the yeah.
1: speed, I mean, are you doing <laughs> higher speeds or are you mostly like city traffic?
2: Um. So i I was doing. So the reason I got it was because I was doing a lot of you know, I was I was driving a lot. I've since quit that job, but um the highway was great. I was doing, yeah, sixty miles an hour for an hour and a half every morning. And yeah, an hour was, and a half every every yeah, on the way back I, and zero to sixty and seven and a half seconds or something. It's fine. It was really good.
1: Yeah. And I mean I think that um we noticed, I mean, if I'm driving around town, you know, I, I can get more range than what's, you know, the The sticker on it, but you know, obviously the highway, you know, for like my, our trucks, I think it's 320 is the range, but on the highway, if I'm going, uh, across country, I'm getting three or 260, 270 realistically out Mm. of that 320 range. Um, and then if I'm around town, I, my miles per kilowatt, um, Mm. equal enough to, to justify closer to 400, uh, miles of range. Um, but that's something that, you know, is obviously various depending on that that drive and the region and you know what yeah. the vehicle is doing. So
0: for us that's about five hundred kilometers is mm. our range um yeah. from the factory. If we did nothing, if we were on the interstate, we might get 400, three three eighty to four hundred kilometers. Well you know, so. you know
2: what's interesting is that like I I don't even know how much how how much range my car has at this stage because I, I don't know how far I would drive it on from 100% (laughs) to zero because I never have. I've driven it 50% um, every day when I worked at that last job. So every day it was down to about 55, 65%, something like that. When I got home, I charge it overnight. The reason I looked at this BYD is because their battery technology is such that you can basically keep it charged uh, to 100%. And they've said it doesn't degrade the battery. So it's Mm -hmm. using an LFP battery, which Yep. I, I feel comfortable just leaving it hundred percent. So every time I get home, I put it on charge. Every time I leave the house, I know it's gonna take me to where I need to go and come back. I, so I don't you know how have, what the range is,
1: to be honest. That ties that I mean that ties into the an interesting conversation. I mean, have you used the public charging infrastructure in Australia? Or are you mostly residential, like at home charging?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've used it once in the nine, eight months that I've that, that I've owned the car. And it wasn't a great experience. I got stuck behind someone because a separate charger didn't work, so um, and and I had to probably drive out of my way to get to that charger in the first place as well. Um, but I was doing a ridiculous date from the city to the peninsula, back to the city, back to the peninsula, all in one day. So it was it was a it was like a day that I've only done once in six nine months or whatever. Um, it wasn't a great experience, and you have to wait for it, and it, it, it's a reasonably slow charge. Um, On the BYD as well, I think that's one of the downsides of the, of the of that type of battery. Um, But you know, having only done it once this whole time, it's it's not an issue. It's still (laughs) still saved more time than um than a combustion vehicle filling up every week. You know.
1: So something that we talked about before going online, obviously, is you know the charging infrastructure would probably be mostly tied to. The cities and you know the cities in australia are like the major mm. cities are mm. pretty far stretched apart yeah um, i'm guessing since you've only used public charging infrastructure one time that you've not mm. dared to voyage <laughs> out into the uh into, into the, the abyss yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but
2: um, there's a lot of people on the facebook groups in australia who have done that um who, who've done those trips and they've had a reasonable experience i haven't heard of anyone having a really terrible time but the thing is if you drive 400ks that's halfway to from melbourne to sydney you get there and that charge is dead or there's 50 other evs waiting for those three charges because you're more than likely doing it on like a long weekend that every the same time that everyone else is going up you know i i just do not want a part of it so yeah the road trips that we've done i've I've taken um the mrs tig (laughs) one
0: And to put a perspective for people to know how wide that is, so Australia is roughly, I think, the size of America, the continental United States. Mm. Uh, So you've got about the same size, but the population is around 26, 27 million, which is slightly more than Florida. So you got the United <laughs> States with the population of Florida. Of course, I think so it's, most
1: of that population is on the yeah, coastline. Yeah, you got yeah, the Gold it.
0: Coast and uh, so not Sydney much in the and, middle. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, definitely not going to be building a whole bunch of EV stations across the outback, trying to get to <laughs> the other areas. But um, uh, so and definitely do not let. There is anxiety once you start getting down to. The single digits of mileage left and you're not at your arrival we've had that happen a few times where we were within what about 12 kilometers of where we needed to go and we had 13 kilometers of uh, <laughs> of uh, power left so it's definitely something that that there is a pucker moment that happens yeah. then, so
1: and i mean in, in, in the united states we're about to have i mean the federal government's pushing a ton of funds into charging infrastructure and so that'll mm. improve over the next three to five years you'll see a big improvement but currently, the charging infrastructure sits every 150 miles apart. Um, right? And so, I mean, it's doable. You just have to be very strategic with mm. how you route your trip, which I'm sure is the same way there. Um, mm. But obviously, that's, that's something that um, frequency of infrastructure would definitely encourage adoption. Mm. Um, but... I mean, the EV space in Australia in general, do you see a lot of other EVs on the road? Like, what what percent do you think would be um, adopted as far as the Australian driver population?
2: Yeah, I mean, you'd see, we've probably realistically only got four or five models of EV on the roads here that that you would see. Um, We've got the Hyundai Ioniq 5, but I've seen (laughs) literally one of them in six months on the road. So they're, absolute hen's teeth here. So you just don't see them at all. You see Teslas, you see BYDs now. I think the Atto 3 is the, the BYD is the second most popular um, EV in um, definitely in Melbourne, probably in Australia um, right now um, next to the Tesla Model 3. So you might see, you you see 10 times as many Teslas as you do any other electric car. here. I mean, that's
1: the same way here. I mean, I think Tesla dominates 70, 80% yeah. 70, 80% of the market currently. Mm. A lot of the other manufacturers uh, being United States based are beginning to roll out a lot of these various EVs like my art mm. trucks and like, I mean, the Cadillac, um, which is an article that we discussed today. Uh, you know, hmm. the, the Cadillac IQ just got announced yesterday and it's going to be a, a full size SUV EV. Um, so, I mean, like there, there's a lot of other companies coming on the road, but Tesla has been doing this for 10 mm. plus years. They took over, <clears throat> and so when adoption began to really increase, they were already on the front end of the market. They had the supercharger infrastructure. Um, <clears throat> do you have Tesla superchargers in Australia? As yeah, far as a network yeah. there.
2: Yeah, we do. We do. I'm not sure how vast the network is, but I think they've actually just started opening it up to um, to non-Teslas here.
1: Yeah, I mean the what charge port type does your vehicle take? Do you know? They're CCS2, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Same is ours. So, I mean, like with ours, like our truck is a CCS, but Ford is opening up. I mean, because Tesla, and I don't know if, if Tesla did something different in Australia, but Tesla hmm. here has their North American charging standard, the NACS. Yeah. yeah. Um And so I heard,
2: I heard that was what was being adopted over there. Is that a recent thing?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, in the past six months, we've seen all these. Um, OEMs come out and say, "Hey, we're going to transition." Uh, mm. they've, they've worked out deals, I think, with you know Elon and Tesla to to adopt that, and so that way it opens up that charging infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the chargers are starting to be mm-hmm. dual, where there's a CCS port and an NACS port. Right, um, right. I'm curious: Do the Teslas there are they CCS yep. or yep. are they They're NACS? all CCS?
2: Yeah, they must have a standard here where they've just yeah. said. I think Chatamo was. Previously for the so the the Nissan Leaf, I think that was a charging port. So you see a
1: a bit of them, but everywhere, CCS too. Yeah, that's interesting because I mean, Tesla, you know, obviously here only uses their NACS. And so Mm. they have their own infrastructure, but what they're doing for us as drivers, like us Ford drivers, you know, Ford announced that they're going to the NACS on future models. Mm. And so they're going to provide CCS drivers and adapter. So like our trucks mm. are CCS, so they'll give us yeah. a CCS to an ACS adapter. Yeah. But if all your vehicles are CCS, then that means if the Tesla infrastructure comes in, then you should be able to use mm. it as when, long as they allow the yeah. software updates. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like Tesla has about 30 or more uh, charging
0: stations in Australia right now. But kind of interesting, in April of this year, the NRMA, um, has announced that they're going to be building 117 fast EV chargers across all the national highways in Australia, yeah. and they have a map, and it looks very interesting because when you start looking at the population density, 117 level three chargers is going to be a lot more per person than what even we have in most of our regions here. Uh, it looks like there's going to be maps that are uh, basically all coastlines, and then one road going up through the middle of Australia. So once you get uh, 117 of these built that's really going to open up the market for that and that was announced uh, this year in April so um, very yeah interesting the, you can
2: you one. can see you see them popping up everywhere here which is a very good sign but um, EVs have really only just started taking off in the last literally in the last year like this BYD like I mentioned earlier I think it's in a it was in a league of its own when it came out and I think because of the fact that it's selling probably it, – I think it's selling as much as the Model 3
1: here in Australia. Um, yeah, I mean, the cost – I mean, I, I, the Model 3 would cost, what, 20000 more than that? Exactly, yeah, yeah. But exactly I think right. there's a lot of
0: import rates too in Australia. Uh, yeah. It hmm. makes the price a lot but, higher. But, I mean, the
1: BYD in, in, re, in relevance for U.S. dollars is 32000 I mean, that's – You know, on our spectrum, you can't really – I mean, is there Tesla here? Jesse, is the Tesla – Forty. But the
0: uh, I think it was starting out at forty, but now you're probably closer to forty-five to fifty. Yeah. So, so. I mean, like that's U.S. dollars. S- similar I mean, difference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I mean, miles. like
1: the, the the affordability of a thirty-two thousand dollar nice um, mm, mm. dream machine. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, that's where you know, obviously, uh, that I mean, if it's a reliable, nice with luxury touch vehicle, I mean, obviously, that would make sense why it's wildly attractive. Yeah, Um, especially for residential, like local localized use where you can just charge from home. So I did also have a um,
0: Volkswagen, uh, had a Jetta, loved the build quality of it many years ago. So when you start looking at that type of build quality from a German automaker and then comparing it to the BYD, obviously you're coming from a Volkswagen to a uh, Chinese built product do you see very well, obviously i would not think like you that the build quality would be the same mm. uh, but are you like you mentioned before you, you were kind of surprised with that can you go into some details about the build quality itself that way you know you kind of compare it with the volkswagen since that's something that a lot of people understand
2: yeah i mean like there's soft touch plastics in the in in the majority of where you're seated and that in itself feels quite nice so it actually like nothing's nothing seems to have broken on me at all everything (laughs) all the plastics feel like thick and not thin and cheap like they will break i haven't heard any reports on the facebook group of of anything actually coming off which you would start to see you know people have owned these vehicles about about a year now um so people who are you know working them real hard every day you would start to see a bit of that wear and tear which you just haven't seen yet, um, you know. Maybe, maybe in five years, that's the that's where the difference might lie um, in the in the durability of it all. But yeah, right now, honestly, it's um, it's like the Volkswagen Golf in itself is a is quite a budget vehicle even for German um, German standards, and it's uh, I would probably put them on on par with each other to be honest.
0: So. The last thing I would like to get into here is obviously Australia is a market we're not very familiar with when it comes to the fuel price per liter or by mm-hmm. gallon. I'm not sure how you all have it. Yeah, later. And then also yeah. the uh, price per um, per megawatt. Mm-hmm. So in America, we're, we're looking around $30 a megawatt or three cents per watt or kilowatt when you start charging yep. a vehicle, which puts you around the $15 here. Is that about, which i remember the equivalent, I think the australian dollar is we're about 70 yeah uh, i think we're
2: one u.s okay. is um yeah we're 66 percent we're 66 dollar. cents to your dollar yeah. so
0: yeah um what does it cost you uh, in australia money to fill up your vehicle
2: yeah i'm paying or at charge. the moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah at the moment i'm paying 20 cents per kilowatt and it's a 60 kilowatt battery it's eight bucks
1: but what's right? 20 cents to us dollars
2: 20 so it's tw- yeah it'd be it'd be probably 13 15 us dollars okay yeah to fill up to get yeah what so 300 300 what miles of range 3, 270 yeah. miles of range
0: so yeah that for that is about the same uh, mm. but if i'm not mistaken your fuel price uh, yeah. for gasoline or petrol yeah. is so much higher yeah uh, Yeah. what is it, about five dollars a liter
2: Oh, uh, it's uh, it's it's about two dollars a liter. So, True, so yeah, yeah, that so that'll for gas, that'll fill up a fifty liter um, Volkswagen Golf <laughs> two thousand and ten model. A It'll probably uh, cost you about $100 and $110. bucks. They're, they're, they're,
1: they're paying like fourteen cents per kilowatt. Yeah,
0: so they're at fourteen it's cents. Right, it's
1: a little bit higher than what we're seeing here, and their
0: oil prices mm. are higher than ours by a little bit. So that's putting a so you are having oil,
1: some decent savings wow, by doing saving your residential lot. at home charging
2: for sure for sure the the thing is though um that once you start getting on superchargers they're not they don 't seem to be much better value um, oh, yeah. than than a, than a very efficient um, little diesel kind of car yeah. um, but if you 're doing it at home, then happy days
1: yeah i mean that that 's the same way here I mean, I think what we 've calculated is like. On the ro- on the road it's about eight like 75 to 80 percent of the cost of a traditional fuel vehicle um, ex- excluding like it's ex- like hybrids and some like really like highly efficient but like mm. for me with my truck I was getting um, 19 miles per gallon 20 miles per gallon <laughs> um, and then with my truck when I'm charging at home I went from spending 500 US dollars a month on gas with my real estate driving, and now my electric bill's gone up by like seventy-five to hundred dollars. Mm. So I'm actually meaningfully saving four hundred U.S. dollars a month um, in that in that conversion. Um, but that's something that if I'm taking it on the road.
0: Uh, you it know, changes that. Traditionally, yeah. most charging
1: it's 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 still cheaper than gas, but the mm. savings there are very minor. I would say it's maybe twenty percent less than the cost of gas, um, and then you have to deal with the charging weight and you know all of that headache. So, for
2: sure, I, I think I am paying about a quarter of what I was paying um, before right. on fuel uh, yeah. overall. Um, yeah, so yeah, a, few, a couple of years of of that, and you'll
1: um you'll see the savings pretty quick. So you, you've, you've built your dreams on this Addo, right? You know now. it, man. You know <laughs> it. <laughs> Do you have your sights? If you had a dream car that was an available EV or otherwise in um, Australia, what would be the next vehicle that you'd purchase?
2: Uh, I, I hate to say it, but
0: it would be like a Model Y performance. I'd go with a. I would go with a Holden Ute. <laughs> I would love to have a whole new a TV. That would be amazing. It would actually be
2: sick. Actually, you know what? I take it all back. I want the um Ford Transit EV. Oh, I think yes. that would be sick. I that want a nice awesome. camber van. But one that would take you, you know, you know, seven hundred Ks instead of I think the current yeah. ones rated to three hundred and twenty Ks, you'll probably get two hundred out
0: of it.
1: So. Yeah, that, that's not that's yeah. not a, a viable solution for uh, going out into the She's not taking you into the outback. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well but, to give you an uh, um An
0: idea of it right now, uh, Hmm. earlier we were talking about that uh, uh, Cadillac and that Cadillac gets 725 kilometers is what its battery is supposed to be able to give you. So you're looking at uh, 200. Do you know what's uh,
2: the size of that battery? That's huge.
0: 200 kVW.
2: That's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a it's gigantic massive. battery.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Holy moly! Everything molly. bigger, you know. Yeah. Oh my god. I've
2: been. I was looking at the Hummer EV, and that was uh, probably would have topped it's my like list a year ago. Again. Yeah. It's a little larger. Jesus than
0: this
1: one. Christ. Yeah. yeah GM kind of took the the category of we're gonna have good range, but we're gonna have some. <laughs> yeah. Now the Hummer battery. though, the
0: Hummer only gets three hundred miles, which would be mm. what six hundred. Uh, no it's a bit a less than that Four fifty, five hundred, 450 so 500 about yeah About 450 yeah. 500 and it's a but, yeah.
1: 230 kilowatt battery it's insane <laughs> that's yeah,
0: insane this, this Cadillac getting 725 kilometers is just unbelievable for oh EV mate we
2: we're, we're, we're now releasing a few um like really small cars so these are the first new small EVs that are coming out in Australia and um yeah it's quite a far cry from what you guys have got going on over there that's for well, sure well i
1: mean the there, there is no full size SUVs i mean the Rivian has their R1S um mm. and that's a like the mid size and a lot of the current the current evs you know suv wise there's no full size suv so this one coming yeah, out right. the cadillac announced yesterday is actually going to be pretty revolutionary because it'll be the first full-size suv that you have on the road that is mm. uh ev so that's great but yeah we're limited on time we would love to have another chat soon though because <laughs> this has kind of been an interesting dialogue around you know internet international charging <laughs> infrastructure but uh uh, we'll definitely connect again soon and uh, have another conversation about how your experience is going. Hopefully it's we can good. go down to Bathurst and start putting these on the track. That'd be fun. Oh, I'll <laughs> see you there. That sounds good. <laughs> go check out the video, like I said, between oh, the RIMAC yeah. and the F1. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, for it's, what he's
0: talking about. Uh, so if you have a chance, and we'll put the link in the uh, in the description here, they're, they're doing uh, RIMAC uh, testing, and they had one up against the uh, Sebastian Vettel's uh, F1 car. So if you've not seen that yet, then absolutely uh, click on the link below and you'll be able to see that. It's a blast.
1: <laughs> but Next anyways. on my list. Right. <laughs> Great conversation. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you Alex. very much. No
2: worries. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: All right.
0: So that was it. We have spoke about what we talked about today. Your lust with the Cadillac Escalade IQ. Ooh. Ooh. We have discussed the australian charging units and what will be coming in down under to our friends to the south yeah and love to see that market kind of coming open hopefully we can send some of our vehicles he was talking about the nissan leaf obviously the leaf's made in tennessee so that's something that uh we like to see that we'll grow think, we'll to throw a lucid
1: air on a boat and and boat throw it down to australia nice, and take yeah. him around for a ride yeah so. <laughs> so
0: we have that and um so yeah so next week uh we'll be talking a little bit about tesla again i think during a little bit of the news here lately with uh the my Sobat Sobat truck, truck yeah. and um, have an update with my ford uh charging unit that i was able to get uh Uh, Reinstalled, I can go over some of the details on that as well. So,
1: awesome. uh, See you next week.
0: I appreciate it.